lot of people hear ADHD and they think, well, that means that I must be hyperactive and all over the place. And that's not at all true. As a matter of fact, for most women, it's actually fatigue because our minds are what's constantly going, not our bodies. This is Grow To Be Free, a self-development podcast that helps ambitious ladies pursue their dreams while finding peace, happiness, and maintaining a thriving mental health. My name is Kiani, and I burnt myself out at age 22. I didn't know my purpose. I hated my job. I thought money was the answer to all my problems, and girl, was I sad. I fought through anxiety and depression by working on myself nonstop. Now, I can honestly say that I am happy, I find peace every single day, and I'm on a journey to discover my best life. Join me as I sit with other ambitious gals who have learned to unlock this new level of life. Think of us as the girlfriends that actually grow with you. We'll share all the tangible tips to help you transform your mindset, mental health, relationships, faith, and finances. Plug in your headphones, get ready to jot down some notes, and let yourself be inspired. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Grow To Be Free podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because we are talking to Ariana Bradford and she is an ADHD productivity coach. I'm going to let her explain a little bit more about what that is, but everybody give a warm welcome to Ariana. Hi, thanks for having me. So an ADHD productivity coach is basically, uh, you know, what a productivity coach is, except I work with people with ADHD, um, because I have found that a lot of people with ADHD connect themselves, um, and, and I work a lot with business owners, so this is very true for business owners, but it's true for ADHD people, just in general, um, we tie our worth as people a lot to the things that we get done, um, which I don't agree with as a whole, but I have found that going, uh, that, that targeting the way that we get things done and the way that we define productivity and the way that we define getting enough done, uh, generally tends to end up in a much more comfortable place with who we are and how our brains work in ADHD. Um, because most ADHD coaches, you know, they, they tend to kind of work with ADHD holistically, which I totally get, and that's totally fine. But I feel like kind of attacking that one point tends to automatically jump off into all of the other points as we go, but it tends to end in, um, it tends to end, I think, more squarely with us also understanding how to work with our brains instead of against it, which is really the core of my philosophy. So essentially, uh, if we were going to put this in the short term, <laughs> because I'm not, not always good at short, um, an ADHD productivity coach is just somebody who helps you figure out how to uh, live your day-to-day -day life and do your day-to-day -day tasks, but in a way that is friendly to an ADHD brain. I love that. No, that's really great. And I wanted to have you on because we talk about mental health a lot on this podcast and I feel like ADHD, although I feel like some people might not categorize it as like a mental health issue or like a 
it in that category necessarily. I think it is because it is something that goes on with our brains. It's something that does affect how we feel about ourselves, like you mentioned, because um, I can really relate to what you said earlier about tying your self-worth to the things that you get done and kind of your achievements like that also plays into it as well so I feel like the people who listen to this podcast like if you're listening to this and you're like dang like if I didn't get stuff done today I feel like crap like this this conversation is for you because that is exactly what Ariana is talking about how do we sorry go go ahead I was just oh, saying, it's actually 100% a mental aware, a mental health issue. Because first off, uh, just in general, ADHD tends to uh, coexist. I, I believe the word is comorbidity, but because I'm not a, a doctor, I don't want to like misspeak, but it does tend to coexist with a lot of mental health issues. Some of it is connected, I think, more to feeling bad about yourself, right? Feeling like you're not getting enough done things like depression. But there are things that it's kind of just a a, a way your brain is wired, anxiety, OCD, both of which I am very open about the fact that I have um, are very common uh, and usually hold hands with ADHD. So there are absolutely mental health issues connected to it. And all the more reason why, you know, you kind of need to know how to work with your brain in order to make it work. So I don't think exactly. you're right. 100% a mental health issue as well. <laughs> you look so happy. You're yeah. like, thank you. Thank you. I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, well, yeah. So you just mentioned right now that, um, that you have also OCD, and I think you mentioned something else as well. Um, did you discover that you had ADHD first, and then did that kind of lead you into discovering these other mental health issues, or how did that process really go for you? No. So actually, the first thing I realized I had was obsessive compulsive disorder. And I am an open book about this because I don't think that a lot of people realize what OCD is, right? Like we watch TV and we think it's this cutesy, like, oh, he washes his hands four times. Ha ha, that's funny. Or, oh, he, he likes having his shoes lined up by the door. And it's like, I mean, if he thinks that the demons are going to get him, if he doesn't line up his shoes by the door, then yeah, maybe, you know. And for me, I had always had tendencies uh, to do certain things, to add up numbers, to, to you know, have to, every once in a while, I'd go through these, like, these weird, especially when I was stressed, go through like these weird stints of uh, not being able to flick lights on and off without doing it a few times. But for me, uh, the worst thing was, and I didn't know that this was an OCD thing, um, I had decided that I was going to get my teaching certificate, one of many things that I thought I was going to do when I grew up. And the fear of not being a good teacher manifested itself into these absolutely just, I I was really into Law and Order SVU. And I had watched an episode about a guy who had, and and I'm going to, you know, clean up the language, but he had hurt a nine-year-old. And at the time I watched the episode and all I thought to myself is how could someone hurt a nine-year-old? And it just spiraled from there and I could not stop thinking about it. I could not stop. And it would just, it took terrifying 
just it, it would get it like took over my mind and I could not stop thinking about it. And I was like, does this mean that I'm sick? Like, why is it that I cannot stop thinking about the scene I just saw on TV? Why can't I stop? Why am I imagining what it might look like? Why am I? And, uh, you know, it was one of the first times that I actually started wondering if I could, you know, and, and trigger warning, I guess it was one of the first times I actually started wondering if I could stay alive. I was like, I can't stay alive thinking like this. And I don't know what made me look it up, but I looked it up and it turned out that obsessive thoughts or what they uh, call their official term for it is intrusive thoughts uh, about harming people is actually one of the very popular OCD traits. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm not alone. I'm okay. Um, you know, I'm not okay, but I'm not sick. And uh, I wound up going to a great place in Austin, Texas that specifically focuses on OCD. I, I learned some cognitive behavioral therapy and, and now I'm fine. Um, so the OCD was first, but after that came anxiety and the anxiety was also really bad. And for a while, I just thought like, wow, what's wrong with my brain? <laughs> like I just, my brain is obviously like breaking into pieces. Like I can't force myself to do chores. I'm always tired. And like, I, I just like, I'm taking medication for OCD and anxiety. I was taking, you know, one medication for both, but I had to, so I'm just kind of sitting there going, is there something wrong with me? And um, while I was looking up whether or not my son had ADHD, because at five years old, he really just was struggling at school. And I was like, I kind of owe it to him to understand where this is coming from, because I don't think that this is like, you know, just a matter of a kid being bad, quote unquote. And as I started looking it up, it just, it sounded like the internet had chosen violence and was just talking about me. And I was like, this feels like I'm being made fun of. Um, and I finally decided that I was going to go and get diagnosed. And I, I got diagnosed with ADHD. And at the time, actually, they told me, you know, your anxiety could partially be connected to ADHD. And it's also very common for people to have OCD with ADHD. And I was like, all right, well, we'll see. Um, I, I opted for medication. And now I, I, as long as I stay on that medication, I, I can honestly say that uh, that plus my antidepressants, I'm at like zero anxiety and uh, which is incredible. And my OCD is kept under wraps. So yeah, it, it was uh, kind of like a weird spiral, but it was something that I found out retroactively. Like after I found out I had ADHD, it was like, you know, I told the doctor, well, I also have uh, OCD. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, like they weren't impressed. And I was like, wait, but that's not, a, that's not like special. And they're like, no, that's actually really common for people with ADHD. So, you know, after that, the more that I've been working with people with ADHD, the more that I have found that there are just a lot of things that kind of walk hand in hand with it um, that we don't know about. And so sometimes handling the ADHD portion, because they often go hand in hand, can really just make life a lot easier all on its own. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I mean, that's, I feel like you just educated us so much about how they go together and how people can actually realize that they have multiple mental health issues even later in life. Cause you said you were an adult when you recognized that you had ADHD. So do you, do you, or you might actually know this by fact, but um, do you think that you've had ADHD since you were a child or do you think that ADHD came on later in life? 
Like, is that even possible? So, um, again, not a medical professional, but from what I know, from the research that I've done, at least in my experience, um, ADHD is not really something that comes later in life. Um, it can worsen later in life. Um, I truly believe now this is just truly conjecture, but I actually have run into quite a few women my age, you know, in, in their thirties, maybe late twenties, uh, forties who after childbirth noticed that their ADHD symptoms actually worsened. Um, and there is reason to believe there are plenty of studies that have shown over time that hormones are tied to ADHD symptoms. So if I was to take a guess, if I, you know, had any sort of scientific mind at all and knew how to run a scientific experiment, I would totally love to know whether or not it's possible that the increase in hormones or the change in hormones after childbirth actually has something to do with the change with the worsening of ADHD symptoms. Um, because I, I truly believe that that's possible. I know that I have always had ADHD. Did I know it? No. But a lot of the things that I used to do when I was a kid that I, I didn't quite get, um, once I was diagnosed and started you know, doing a lot of research and a lot of reading and, uh, you know, kind of talking to a lot of, um, medical professionals, suddenly it was like, Oh, that's why I did that. I, I've been, yeah, when I was in school, my mom used to hate that I did that. And that was because I was ADHD. Okay, that's great. I thought it was because I was a freak, you know? And so, yeah, you, you kind of, you, you were, I always was, but I didn't know it, uh, which is also extremely common for women, unfortunately, because it yeah. tends to present differently in women. And so since it usually presents differently in women, we are actually seeing a marked rise in the number of women who are suddenly finding out that they have it. Um, so I honestly think that we, we've, we've always had it. We're just now starting to realize that we were misinformed or that we didn't know enough underinformed. And now we are starting to understand why we did the things we do partially because of people talking about it, which I love. And it's part of the reason why I try to talk about it as much as I can. But I think also partially because of that uh, change that I mentioned earlier, where whether it's childbirth or hormones or whatever, something worsens those symptoms. And suddenly you're like, I mean, I, I was bad before, but now I can never remember why I walked into this room. What the hell is wrong with me? Mm. And you're forced to go check on it. And that's when you find it out. Um, mm. But I do think it's always there. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing. Thank you for giving that context. And I feel like it's really helpful for the listeners, especially because I, I, I saw that research as well that shows that women are less likely to be diagnosed by it just because of what you said. It shows up differently in women. So that's why I do think this conversation is so key. And really I want to circle back to what you said earlier about you realized when you were diagnosed all of the, the things that you did in childhood that you were like, oh, wait, no, this actually makes sense. <laughs> so what were some of those things that were apparent to you that you now know, like, oh, yeah, that is definitely an ADHD symptom? Well, how far back do we want to go? <laughs> like, it could go Honestly, we could go as 
far back as you're willing to go. I love going way back. <laughs> okay, let's see. So I was a big daydreamer. Um, I did really well in school, and a lot of ADHDers are told it's in its misinformation that if you have ADHD, you have to have been bad in school. I was actually really good in school, but I was only really good in school for a couple of reasons. For one, I was, I was one of those gifted kids. So it was like a lot of things kind of came easy to me. If it came easy to me, I didn't, you know, it, it was like, I was going to excel at it no matter what, because that's just kind of how brains work. Um, but it was also a matter of, um, I, when I had the choice to choose what I was going to work on, I always worked on things that I liked that I knew I excelled at. And that's very common for ADHD brains because it takes less focus. You know, if you're really good at math, if you're really good at science, I wasn't, I, my thing was English and writing, but if you know that you're really good at something and you have the option to choose to focus on it, you're going to choose to focus on it automatically just because it's not going to take as much brain power. So I was, I was excellent in school. Um, but that being said, I never paid attention. I was always at my desk, um, writing stories or doodling or, you know, just imagining things. Like I, I was almost never paying attention to anything. Um, when, I, when I started having to bring home school books and school and homework, um, probably one of the biggest arguments my mother and I would get into was the fact that I would actually do my homework, get to school, and then turn it in because I forgot it that it was in my backpack. So the teacher would be like, hey, you know, did you do the homework last night? And I'd be like, gee, I guess not, because I don't know where it is. And then, you know, my mother would go through my backpack for me when I would get home and she'd be like, why is the mouth homework that you did last night at the bottom of your backpack instead of turned into the teacher? So, you know, it, it was a lot of like forgetting things that most people shouldn't forget. Um, you know, and getting a little bit older as an adult, um, realizing that when I would go to parties or I would hang out with a bunch of people, it was really, really easy for me to feel rejected, like super easy. All that would have to happen is I would say something expecting it to be funny and maybe people wouldn't, you know, laugh or, you know, they might not respond. And my response automatically, emotionally was like, oh, they hate me. Well, now I want to go home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and it, it kind of got to the point where, like, I, I thought it was social anxiety, and it wasn't social anxiety. It was something called rejection-sensitive dysphoria, uh, which a lot of ADHDers actually have. And it's just a tendency. I think, honestly, I would have to reread, but I believe that it's very closely rooted to how often you hear negative feedback as a child. And so you tend to assume from that negative feedback that every negative feedback from then on is rejection. And uh, it's very, very common with people with ADHD. But I didn't know that at the time. So I just figured I had social anxiety that, because I would be like, wow, I'm at this party and suddenly I, I just want to leave. I don't want to be here. I don't feel like anybody likes me type thing. Um, so things like that, I think were so telling if I had known. And I apologize if you can hear it, but right now there are men walking on my roof. <laughs> I'm not being robbed. It's just, you know, this is a house we just recently renovated. And so um, we're still kind of working on last things. And I'm sitting here talking and I'm like, I really hope they can't hear that. And then somebody just like, I don't know, 
body slammed my roof. So if you hear this, this is totally not Keone's fault. It's mine. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. I think, you know, and, and it's really weird because when you get the late diagnosis, it's almost like you're getting to know yourself all over again. You're suddenly kind of sitting here going, all right, I thought I knew myself. I thought I knew these things about myself, but you don't. Um, which is kind of, which is kind of cool and also kind of disconcerting, but it's a, it's a nice self journey, I think. And it's very validating. I feel. Yeah. For the last four years, I personally have been using journaling as a healing practice and it's literally transformed my life. It's one of the key ways I've been able to work through my anxiety, get myself out of depression and really begin to thrive in life. If you're looking to get into journaling or you are in need of a new one, the Ambitious Peace journals are now available on Amazon. For those of you who don't know, these are super cute aesthetic journals with a different encouraging, motivational and insightful quote on every single page. They're small enough to fit in a purse, they're college ruled, and have 150 pages of space to free write, jot down your life plan, or to process those really tough thoughts and emotions. If you have been watching this on YouTube or Spotify, you'll be able to see what they look like, but I will describe them for everybody, so don't worry. One is this monochromatic chocolate wave design. The second one is another monochromatic look, but it's like a pink, light pink painting on canvas. And the last one is a light blue, white square geometric pattern that is very satisfying to the eye. My favorite one happens to be the chocolate one, but I'm looking forward to hearing which one is your favorite. So let me know in the comments or in your reviews. Again, you can find these on Amazon. I will link the Amazon link in the description of this show. And without further ado, let's get back to the episode. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And oof, uh, I partially wanted to have this conversation because... I wanted to be educated because I th there were worth some things in my life that I was like, oh, that kind of is like ADHD, but I don't really know. Maybe I'm just slapping a name on it for like no reason. But like though you described your childhood, and I was like, oh, that sounds that sounds like me too. <laughs> so I'm just like, ah, maybe it's a thing. So um. And this is why, like, this conversation is just super important because I feel like, especially for women who probably weren't diagnosed as a child, you you have these stories and these things that you think about yourself, like the rejection thing. Like, I relate to that a lot. And being a child and literally thinking that everybody hates you and you didn't say anything, you didn't do anything to them but like mm -hmm. that's like the story that's playing in your head nonstop. If, if that persists through adulthood that has a major effect on how you show up in the world it has Absolutely. an effect on the people that you're around the mm -hmm. um your level of success in life like that is something that is so huge and if we can actually discover like hey this is actually like a medical condition that could be helped in some way shape or form mm -hmm. whether it be with medication or not medication or you know therapy or whatever like I think the world will be a better place because people will start to realize things about themselves that they haven't realized before and be able to actually fix it because if you don't know what the problem is you can't fix it at all so yeah that's exactly. that's what I had to say exactly yeah no but you're right and you know that's when I talk to people who are angry because they weren't diagnosed earlier it's exactly what you just said that you know 
if I didn't know what the problem was, how was I supposed to fix it? It's a very <laughs> good way to, uh, to outline it. Yeah, exactly. So we know your story of how you discovered and actually got an, a diagnosis. So what about mm-hmm. for people who are probably listening to this podcast and are like, ooh, she just described a lot of what I have experienced in my life. Like, what should that person do? So there are a couple things here. Um, first off, I want you to ask yourself, does this happen sometimes or does it, or is it messing with my life? Because probably one of the most frustrating things that a lot of people with ADHD hear is when someone says, well, I must be a little ADHD because I forgot where I put my pen the last Thursday. And it's like, I mean, yeah, we all forget where things are, but is it to the point where, you know, you're carrying something and your mind just completely blacks out. And the next thing you know, the thing that was in your right hand is gone and you don't remember where you put it. And if, you know, it's not that, then does that mean you don't have it? No, but you might want to be open to it being something else, Um, which is probably the biggest and first step is to have that mindset of, I want to know the answer, not I want to find out if I have ADHD. And the reason I say that is because right now, TikTok has kind of become a double-edged sword when it comes to ADHD. On one hand, it has been very helpful for people who, (laughs) very helpful for people who don't want to feel alone or who feel like they might be alone to know that they're not. On the other hand, it has brought in a lot of people who want, who just start yelling that they have ADHD because, you know, they identify with a couple of TikToks and they're not sure. And those same people will go into a doctor's office and get very pissed off when the doctor says, I, I'm not sure that that's what you have. I don't know that that's what you have. I'm a little hesitant to give you medication, if, you know, because I'm not really feeling that that's what you have. And then they'll say, well, doctors aren't listening to me. And it's like, okay, I'm going to tell you right now. I know that it's possible that a doctor's not listening to you. Okay. We're not even going to get into medical sexism, medical racism. That's a fuller story that we won't get into. But when you go in, if the things that I'm saying are really hitting something for you, don't go in with the attitude. I want to know if I have ADHD. I think I have ADHD. I want an ADHD diagnosis. Go in with the attitude. I want to know what's wrong. I want to know how I can help myself. And ADHD could be at the top of your list of things you think you might have. Like you could definitely ask for an evaluation. I 100% think that you should. There is nothing wrong with getting an evaluation. Uh, Do not get it from your general practitioner. Make sure that your general practitioner either refers you out to a psychiatrist or a counselor, somebody who actually deals with ADHD. Or if you're in a place where it's very easy for you to choose who to go to, Maybe try to skip over the whole GP situation in the first place and just call someplace that has people who evaluate for ADHD and talk to them um, and, and you know, just say, hey, I, I would like to be evaluated. Absolutely, you can ask to be evaluated. Absolutely, you should let them know what your concerns are. But just keep in mind that when you do this, you are wanting to understand yourself better. And even if that means that it's not ADHD or it's not autism or it's not whatever you're thinking it is, that doesn't make your issues any less valid. It just means that you have to try a different tack. Um, So yeah, in steps, allow yourself to be open to whatever the answer might be. 
go to your, your GP for a referral if you have to, but if you don't, just try to go straight to someplace that evaluates ADHD specifically. Go ahead and mention your concerns and get evaluated. And then whatever those responses are, you're absolutely you know, entitled to a second opinion if you don't believe it, but whatever your answers are, whether it's yes or no, just keep in mind that in the end, you wanna know how to work with your brain better. That's the point. So I hope that I helps. I love that. Yeah, I really, yes, it does help. I appreciate <laughs> that you touched on the mindset of how we should be going into these situations because you're right I think and even part of the reason why this conversation was even sparked is because of TikTok because of all these videos of people talking about ADHD <laughs> symptoms and like blah, blah, blah. it's just it's a very hot topic right now and I can very definitely hot. see how people are like going crazy about it and will just want a diagnosis for some reason. Yeah, and they have an explanation. They're like, I'm weird. This could be why, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah, but maybe you're just weird. And that's okay. <laughs> weird people are awesome. Maybe you're just weird and that's all right. Don't, don't, you don't yeah. have to put a label on it. Um, but, yeah. you know, yeah, I get it. I do. And, and for what it's worth, people talking about it were what finally pushed me to go get my, my diagnosis. So I get it. But uh, some people do get a little desperate sometimes. And they're like, I, I don't know. I misplaced my shoes twice last week. Maybe I have ADHD. And it's like, well, you can just misplace your shoes. I don't, you know, so... Yeah. And I also think too, like you're, you sharing your own personal story, it really helps paint the picture as well. Cause you, mm -hmm. you clearly didn't think like, Oh, I just misplaced some things. I might have ADHD. You were like, Oh my goodness. These things that happened way back in my childhood mm -hmm. are in line with the ADHD symptoms. I think that's a big distinguishing factor, especially because you said earlier too, that, um, that it doesn't just come on, it might grow over time, but it's like you, mm -hmm. I feel like that connection is also a super key point too. I do want to make sure that I underline just because a lot of people don't know that this is a thing. And I found this out completely by accident. The reason why I finally just got off my, am I allowed to swear? I don't remember. No, I mean, typically not, but I mean, yeah, if it comes out, it's okay. Don't worry. Not my, <laughs> I have a mouth like a sailor, but I am very nice about it. Um, so, you know, if I, if uh, what, the thing that finally pushed me to get off my butt was that I was always tired. Um, I had fatigue, constant fatigue. And a lot of people hear ADHD and they think, well, that means that I must be hyperactive and all over the place. And that's not at all true. As a matter of fact, for most women, it's actually fatigue because our minds are what's constantly going, not our bodies. So if you are listening to this and you're going, yeah, but I really, I just don't jump all over the place. I'm, I'm able to sit still. As a matter of fact, I prefer to sit still. Guess what? It could still be you. It could. And I could tell you right now, half of the time, my ADHD medication is what wakes me up in the morning. I just wanted to point out that like when I got my diagnosis, the, the thing, the final straw for me was fatigue. Like a lot of people don't know that fatigue actually can be a side effect because ADHD is poorly named. And a lot of people tend to think that, you know, hyperactivity is something you have to have. 
but it's not. Um, in fact, for women, it's actually more common to have fatigue because our minds are constantly going. And because they're constantly going, we tend to get tired. So if a lot of the other things are matching you, but you just happen to be tired a lot, it is still possible that you could have ADHD. So don't knock it just because you might be fatigued. Got it. Yeah. No, that, that is an important note to, to say as well, because I didn't realize that. And I think it comes from like the stereotype of the bad child in mm-hmm. class who is like bouncing mm-hmm. off the walls and da da da. And like, that's like the, the poster child for ADHD. But the fact that you mentioned it's mostly our minds that are going super fast, like that is huge because I often find that my my mind is just racing for no reason. It's like at a million miles per hour, and like I never yeah. understood why. <laughs> so, it's really funny. I have I have a friend. Um, I'm just gonna highlight this story because it's very related and on topic. Um, she is now questioning if she has ADHD or not. And she, we have these conversations where we're literally like bouncing off each other, like like left and right, like topic from topic to topic. And she's like, I realized that I couldn't actually have conversations with other people like this. Like I can only really have it with you. And then, and then, yeah, basically it's just really funny because like, we're just like going left and right. And like, we're still like on the same page. It's like really crazy, but I don't know. I just feel like this is just now highlighting so many things for me that I'm like, wow, Wow, look at this look at that like it's wild you know it wouldn't be that out of that out of the realm of possibility either because one thing that I have also found is by and large the artistic people that I know the people who tend to be very artistic and creative tend to be ADHD and while I don't have all of the answers as to why my guess is that growing up because we were so terrible at paying attention to things, we used to have to get creative about actually being able to keep up with other people. And so because of that, we're just generally creative. We're just generally people who come, who like to come up with ideas and things like that. So, uh, I mean, you're creative. You kind of like to do things for yourself. You're, you're doing, you know, projects for yourself. I would not be surprised if you were to talk to me like a month from now and be like, hey, so I finally went and yeah, I got diagnosed. And you're like, I know. <laughs> Sounds about good to me. Um, it's very, very likely. Yeah. I find the more artistic someone is probably that there's, uh, there's some ADHD in there. Well, I feel like we've talked a lot about ADHD symptoms, and I'm glad that earlier you touched on the process of getting a diagnosis and what you what you should and should not do and those pitfalls there. What is, can you talk a little bit about like what the evaluation process is like? I feel like that would be also really helpful for people to know just so they know what to expect if they end up doing that. Yeah, it's actually, um, the evaluation itself is super simple. Um, you just, you're honest. They, they read you off a bunch of questions and you answer how often it happens, whether it's rarely often or, you know, sometimes. And uh, whatever your answer is, is, you know, it adds up to your diagnosis, whether you have it or not. Um, emotionally, I would say don't be surprised if even if you get the diagnosis, you feel like you cheated somehow. Um, it's kind of bizarre and it's a very common thing to feel, especially when you get diagnosed later in life. But when you get the diagnosis, you almost feel like you must have faked 
or, or, act, or just been like a really good actor to have gotten the diagnosis. And I, I still, to this day, I'm not quite sure why. Um, I haven't really thought on it much, but just don't be surprised if even when you get the diagnosis, you feel guilty for it. Uh, that doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. It just means that your brain, you know, is kind of being bizarre. Um, and, and, you know, once the, the whole thing is done, uh, it's really just kind of your call, what you want to do after that. I would suggest not just expecting to take medication and things get better. Um, I feel like I saw this on the internet once. I want to say it was maybe on Reddit, which is, you know, where all great information should come from. Um, but on there, someone used the term that ADHD is 50% pills and 50% skills. And I 100% agree with that. Uh, if you can take the medication, I think that you should for sure, but don't think that you're just going to take the medication and then suddenly life is going to make sense and be organized and you're going to be able to get everything done. That's, that's not how that works. Um, you are going to need a toolbox. You're going to need to understand certain things and have certain systems and processes in play because there are going to be days where your meds aren't going to work very well. Uh, there are going to be days where you know, you're know you going to forget to take your meds, things like that. And you need to be able to still function when that stuff happens. But the evaluation itself is super simple. It's really just sitting and answering some questions. Just make sure you're honest about how often it happens. And they'll tally that up for you and tell you what you got. And then they a good doctor, may I say, should defer to you afterwards and ask you how you want to be treated. That's good. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And then uh, what are some of those skills that you feel like ADHD um, people can learn or acquire that really do help with daily life? So believe it or not, I say this in a lot, and there are always people who roll their eyes at me like I'm trying to be cutesy and I'm not, but the number one thing is self-compassion. Um, because probably a lot of people tend to think that my job doesn't involve any like work, mental work or, or, um, mindset work, but that is a huge percentage of it because people with ADHD, especially people like me who have been diagnosed later on in life have gone their entire life being told that they are lazy, that they don't try hard enough, that they are spacey, that they don't pay enough attention, that they talk too much, that they're a lot on and on and on it goes. And once you find out that you have ADHD, those thoughts that have implanted themselves in your brain based off of other people's opinions don't just go away. And once you have that diagnosis, it's helpful, but you're still going to catch yourself trying to somehow make everything your fault. And you're going to catch yourself trying to change your brain and work against it. And you really need to learn however works for you, whether it's, you know, affirmations in the mirror, whether it's, it's journaling, whether it's keeping a, one of my big things is keeping a, a called a brag folder or a brag book where you make sure that every time that you have a small win, no matter how small you make sure that you keep it somewhere for you to look at when you start hating on yourself and getting that imposter syndrome, but you want to make sure that you have something to remind you of the fact that you are doing all that you can and that this brain that you have is the brain that you have. And that despite what people are telling you or have told you your entire life, it is not something to be ashamed of to work against or to change. So that is the number one thing that you're going to have to learn. And then after that, we have, you know, obviously these uh, life, these applied things, like you're going to want to learn 
um, time management skills that work for ADHDers, and, and those are different from neurotypical time management skills. You're going to need it to be more visual. You're going to need it to be more portable, something that you can take with you. Uh, you're going to need to make sure that it involves a lot of reminders, a lot. Like some people tend to think, oh, I could just set one notification and that should work. And it's like, maybe, but it's really best for you to set probably two or three in three different places for some things. Um, you're going to want to learn energy um, conservation, making sure that you keep track of your ultradian rhythms, which is different from your circadian rhythms because circadian has to do with sleep. Ultradian has to do with how your energy ebbs and flows throughout the day. You want to keep track of that because you are going to be more likely and more willing to do things that you don't actually want to do when you have higher energy. So you're going to want to keep track of that. Also, it keeps you from running out of energy before you've gotten to the things that are most important. Um, you're going to want to learn how to prioritize like an ADHDer, And that involves a lot of visualization as well, making sure you write down all of your tasks and keep write down those deadlines and keep in mind when the closest deadline is versus how much you like things versus how much you don't like things and making sure that you put those in order. So you're basically going to want to learn a lot of life skills that a lot of people have unfortunately already learned. You're going to relearn them, but you want to relearn them in the, um, in the, uh, you want to learn, learn it in terms of how your brain works, not how others' brains work. Um, so I, I hope that that's helpful. Going through all of it would <laughs> take a really long time, but those, those are the things that I would say you'd want to start with is looking into how to learn those things, um, connected. There's like a particular word I want and I can in reference to, sorry, in regards to your ADHD. Are you enjoying this episode as much as I am? Girl, I hope so. If you're getting anything positive from this podcast, I would love it if you left a review and shared it with a friend you feel like needs to hear it. I know you hear this a lot, but this is really the only way other people can benefit and grow from this information as well. If you listen to this podcast, I'm assuming you have a desire for the world to be in a better place. And what better way to do that than by spreading awareness of self-development to help each person grow and be better a little more each day. And you might be asking, well, what's in it for you? Well. I'll shout you out on a future episode if you leave a review. Plus, at that point, we're pretty much friends. And the best part, it's completely free. So thank you so much for being a listener of Grow To Be Free. It really means the world to me. And now, back to the episode. Yeah, that's really helpful. And thank you for painting that picture. I think um, one thing that... And now I feel like I'm blanking out on like what 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 I was gonna ask I exactly. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's kind of like how you mentioned like there's like a range, and you shouldn't just go based off of like one thing that somebody is saying and, mm -hmm. and recommending to you. It has to be mm -hmm. pertaining to your own brain. Mm -hmm. So, do you feel like some people who are ADHD might be let's say, for example, really good in the time management department, but like not so good in the um, the uh, energy department and needs to work on that. Like, do you, oh God, do you feel absolutely. like... 
yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, I uh, have a therapist who once told me, when you meet one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. It's not a catch-all. We're not a monolith. It, it's like, for example, I'm really good at time management. And I have to be because I have tendencies. Sometimes I forget things too. And so I have learned to plan my plan things a certain way so that even when I screw up, I do have some wiggle room. I'm really good at that. But sometimes I'm not so great at, uh, you know, the, the self-compassion part. And I'm going to be honest. Sometimes, you know, I, I wind up comparing myself to the people I see and, and thinking, you know, why is it that they can do this and I can't? And, you know, that's something that I wind up having to work on. Uh, you're, you're not... And, and, and it's even a matter of, you know, if we're going to just go in terms of like regular skills, some people are going to be absolutely amazing at productivity, right? They're always going to be productive or organization. There are some people I have met who have ADHD, but their desks look so clean and I don't know how they do it. <laughs> and I'm amazing at time management, but pretty regularly my desk is covered in coffee cups and papers and pens. And that's just how I am. And that in itself is totally completely fine because we're also still human and humans have quirks and you're going to always have have quirks that's just not going to change so yeah you're going to have certain things that you're good at and certain things that you're not even when you understand your adhd it's just a matter of whether or not they are impeding on how you live your life so if your quality of life isn't doing very well then yeah that is that's more than a quirk um, and that is something that you probably need to work on. But if your life is, is not exactly like my wife, my life is fine with all the coffee cups. It's kind of annoying, <laughs> you know, but I'm not like sitting here like I can't work. I, you know, what's going on? I can't, I guess I'll just go lay down and I'm not going to do anything else today. It doesn't work like that. I'm fine. So it's a quirk. So that's basically the best way to ask yourself. And it's the best way to ask yourself whether or not you need to get checked for ADHD as well or checked for anything. If it is messing with your quality of life, then that's a pretty good sign that it's probably time to do something. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like when you're talking about quality of life, it's ranging from like, you know, what are the most important things in life and are those being disrupt disruptive, mm -hmm. disrupted or not? <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of like when people use the term, a very popular term that people use is high functioning. And the way that you know that you are high functioning, right, uh, whenever they say high functioning, like they say, oh, he's high functioning autistic, or that person is high functioning depressive or high functioning bipolar. Whenever someone says high functioning, the meaning of that is you're still getting by, you're still doing fine, despite this thing that normally we would expect to stop you from doing fine. And so if you're high functioning, you're living day to day, right? You know that you may not necessarily be happy with it, but you're living day to day, you're getting things done, you're paying bills, you, you know, you're, you're not losing a quality, any qualities of life that would generally be expected. And in that case, you know, it depends on how happy you are with it. But if you're overall happy and you don't really feel like your life is being impeded upon, then that's a different story from, uh, you know, what finally pushed me, which was the fact that I never wanted to do anything because I was always tired. And so, you know, that's, that's impeding on my, my quality of life. I never want to do anything. I'm never spending time with family. I'm never, you know, getting anything done because I'm just always tired. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And like, I know from my standpoint, I feel like somebody listening to listening to this, you know, more than likely wants to be very successful. <laughs> this is just kind of what let the podcast is about. And then mm-hmm. I, on the same token too, like is really growth oriented and wants to be better and improve. And so, which is very similar to how I am. So my thought is, okay, you know, I maybe I'll put just for example purposes, I'll put myself in the high functioning category and that's mm-hmm. where I'm at. But I'm I'm wondering, okay, I, if I'm still high functioning, like nothing like terribly wrong is going on in my life, but mm-hmm. I still have this condition that, you know, might be limiting myself in some way. Like, is there, are there options for people who are high functioning who are just, you know what, I just feel like I can be better in a healthy yeah. way. Like I can be better in a healthy way. Like w- how would you recommend somebody going about that and, and tackling that in a healthy way? So, I mean, if they're, if they're mostly happy, right? Like if they're like, I'm actually quite fine with the way things are going. There are just a couple of things that I wish I could change. Then, you know, therapy is the first way to go. If you can, I, I never like to just say, oh, therapy, because it can be expensive for some people. Some people can't access it. I totally get that. But, you know, self-help, um, uh, therapy, really anything that that's not quite going down the medication route, because in that case, maybe you want to see if you can do it yourself. And there are some people who, again, we, you know, we've talked about how ADHD is a range. There are some people who have it, but are able to get themselves into uh, new routines and get new tasks done with no problem. And if that's the case, then, you know, you really might want to be able to just try it yourself. See if you can get good advice online and uh, or from therapists, if you can do it, or from people who seem to have, to know what they're doing, who you respect, if you really would just rather do that and see if you can enact it. Um, that would be my first, my first su- suggestion is to try that. Um, now, because essentially the reason why I, t- I went with medication and the reason why I think most people take the medication is when they have gotten to the point where they're like, I know I can't do this by myself. I know that like I'm, I'm, and it's possible for a highly functioning person to still need medication because especially for brains like mine, um, you know, it's very possible. It's very hard to push yourself to do things, new things, especially if they don't sound fun. Right. So you could still need that medication, but if you're kind of like, I, I really just want to see if I can do it myself. Um, you know, therapy is a good call. Um, there are some herbal supplements that have been known to work pretty well for people with ADHD, but you just have to be very careful with those because unless you're talking to someone who can help you with dosing and, um, contraindications, there's always the possibility that you could take something that's not going to work very well for you. Um, but if I had to say just in my experience, um, ashwagandha is awesome. That would be one that I would say to try. Uh, there is a new one that I was just looking into today and I have heard beautiful things about it. I don't know that I am going to be taking it because it interacts with antidepressants, but it is called Gotu Cola. 
It's supposed to be pretty good. Uh, Brahmi, B-R-A-H-M-I, is another one that's pretty good. So if you want to kind of try the ADHD herbal option, that's also uh, good to try. Again, not a medical professional though. So if you are going to try it, do keep in mind that you're either trying it at your own risk or you want to talk to somebody who's into herbalism. So that's another option. Yeah. What was the one that you said before, Brahmi? Go to cola is, is like the, it's like the vernacular, the common name for it. Um, how do you spell yeah. that? Go, uh, how do you spell it? Yeah. G as in golf, O, T as in Tom, U as in uniform, K as in kilo, O, L, A. Go to cola. As a matter of fact, there is a company that I highly, I highly suggest, and I'm going to make it very clear to anybody listening right now, they're not paying me anything. They don't even know who the heck I am. So I am just saying this because I have used their ashwagandha and it's worked very, very well for my energy specifically. Um, they are called Himalaya Wellness. They're available uh, through India. They're, they're based in India, but I have seen that you can get a lot of their stuff uh, on Amazon and here in Costa Rica, where it's hard to get a lot of stuff, I'm able to get it at my local, um, health store. So you might want to see if you can check into them. Their ashwagandha that I do for energy is called Heriforte, G-E-R-I-F-O-R-T-E. And the other one that I probably am not going to be able to take, but I kind of wish I could is called Menta. Hold on. Men tax. I think, I think it's men tax. Uh, let me double check real quick. Mentat M E N T A T. So those are some options if you want to start there. Uh, but again, I, I want to make sure that I underline this. Like, don't be like, Ariana gave me medical advice. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I did not. I just made some suggestions. And I said to go talk to somebody who knows more about herbs before you do it to make sure there aren't going to be any issues. But yeah, yeah those, are, those are some options if you don't necessarily want to go the full-on medication route. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. And thanks for highlighting those because I think herbs and other, you know, just very plant-based remedies are mm-hmm. are wonderful and a great alternative mm-hmm. if you're kind of like me and are just apprehensive about medication in general. So um, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And I want to circle back to what you were saying earlier about going to a therapist and but also potentially taking things on on your own terms by like going through self-help and maybe hiring a coach or something like that. And I know that you're a productivity coach specifically for people with ADHD. And so I would like you to kind of share a little bit about what you do and like how you help people specifically and like what exactly they can do if they want to hire you for that service. Of course. So Uh, At the moment, I mainly work with business owners um, and I work with business owners who pretty much have their own processes in place already, but they, they feel like they are making it by the skin of their teeth and they're struggling with imposter syndrome and they're really just kind of looking for someone to help add some accountability, to help smooth out those processes, to help make things more efficient and to help them feel more satisfied 
with their day because in the end it's i always say that productivity is not perfection it's satisfaction so you're not supposed to get everything done you're supposed to get the things done that matter each day and feel like you're, you're doing well um and i do this through one-on-one -on -one coaching uh we meet once a month nice and simple by a video we talk about what your pain points are. We come up with action items and plan items. And then I write up a nice little report for you. You go on to try to put those into uh, effect. And, you know, you reach out to me via Slack or email or voice, depending on how you've chosen to do it. Uh, and anytime that you need support. Uh, we do weekly um, what I call virtual co-working, but it, the official term for it usually is body doubling, which is essentially another account accountability practice where what you do is you show up via Zoom or, well, it's via Zoom, and you don't even have to turn on your camera. You don't have to talk. Uh, and essentially what happens is for an hour, we all sit together. We work on something we're really wanting to work on, and then we jet, and you can literally not have to talk to anybody if you don't want to. Uh, so, you know, we do that. We do, um, every quarter, since I mostly work with the business owners right now, we tend to do calendar, uh, what we call cal or what I call rather calendar optimization meetings, where what we do is we sit down, we talk about what we're going to be doing for the next month. It's, uh, and, and depending on how you decide to do it, if you decide to do it one-on-one -on -one with me, or if you decide to do it in a group, we all would sit together or you and I would sit together and we talk about, Hey, this is what's coming up in the next 90 days. How are we going to optimize the calendar so that we have time to get these things done, but so that we also have time if something goes wrong, if I get sick, if I want to hang out with family, if I want to take a vacation, so on and so forth. Um, and that is what I'm doing with business owners right now. Um, but the more that I have done research into it, I have found that, there are very few people who do what I do and I have been feeling kind of bad because there've been a lot of people who are not business owners who cannot, you know, afford the business owner pricing who have been like, I could really use your help. And I don't like being like, hmm, screw you though. That's too bad. You're not a business owner. So I don't know. Bye. I don't really like being like that. So starting the summer, I am going to be starting a subscription a subscription program for people who do not own businesses or who are like in or students or who really don't want to do the one-on-one -on -one thing, but still need the help. And essentially what's going to happen is it's going to be either for those high functioning people, like you mentioned, it's just, you're going to get to access like videos and principles and stuff like that and kind of self lead. Or if you want to still work with me, this is a little bit more toned down of an option. We'll just be doing, you know, group, counseling once or twice a month. Uh, you'll have like a community to talk to other people who are like you and you'll get to, you know, ask me questions during either via email or via, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Via um, the group, sorry, during uh, office hours. And I'll try to answer as best as I can. So, you know, it's, it's not as intense. It's not as much as an, of an intensive. It doesn't give a lot of that same stuff, but it does still give you plenty to work with and plenty of help. So that is also an option. Um, and essentially, you know, what my hope to do is to, to I, I want you to eventually not need me anymore is my point. I want you to eventually have the tools and the understanding and the 
ability to think through the block and the negativity to be able to keep going without me. And maybe, you know, you come back for a meeting or something if you get stuck. But I want you to get to the point where you learn the ADHD way to think through a lot of productivity blocks. That's awesome. Well, I thank you for painting that picture again, because that's, I I love that. (laughs) I love everything that you said that you do. I think that's a wonderful way to help people. And I think a lot of people can really benefit from it. So thanks for sharing that. And if they, if somebody listening is like, yo, I need Ariana and I'm a business owner and I (laughs) might also want to take advantage of that group later down the road, like how, how did they find you? Uh, so I keep it nice and simple. You can either go ahead and follow me on Instagram or TikTok, both of those. My name is ADHD Prod, short for productivity. Nice and easy. Uh, and through those, you can find my YouTube. I'm not going to give you the YouTube link because it's really stupid the way they made me write it out. and It's just confusing. Or if you want to go ahead and work together, you're ready to go ahead and you know get that going. You can apply to do so on my website, which is also simple. It is thearianabradford.com. Ariana has two N's. And uh, yeah, nice to meet you. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely link all of your um, links in the in the show notes. So if you're looking into that, go ahead and check that out. But this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Ariana, for doing this. Um, I mentioned before that I am a person of faith, so I do like to pray for my guests, if you will allow me to do that. Of course. Thank yeah. You. Okay, awesome. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Ariana and just her amazing spirit and just ability to really connect with people and be able to help them in such a useful and practical way that is really making a difference in the lives of the individuals she works with and even the world because just her having this conversation with with me today is allowing people to know a little bit more about themselves, have a little bit more self-awareness and grow into the person that they really truly want to become so i pray for just a tremendous increase in her life financially spiritually emotionally uh, relationally with her family god please bless her family and allow them to become closer and and um give them just the the happiness and the joy and the love that that you want them to have and i pray this in jesus name amen amen thank you Appreciate You're that. welcome. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much, Ariana. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me.